Well, hello, good morning. You're very welcome along to the gardening show. Good morning, Porik. How are you? A very good morning. Happy good morning, Mayo listeners. Day to you. Mayo Day. Do you know yeah. what actually the word Mayo means? No. Mayo. Mayo is the Irish word for the plane of the yew, the yew tree. Really? Native Irish tree. It's a it's a conifer. And many, many years ago, long before you and I were around, well, you don't know. Mayo was covered in yew trees. Were they? So it's a native Irish tree. Yeah. And that's where Mayo gets its, its name. But today is Mayo Day. Um, Celebrations I, all over the county. All over the, the county and particularly in Castlebar. I, I was actually up in Loch Lana. We were doing a little bit of planting in Loch Lana last night. And um, the the amount of uh, activity up there, it's going to be a fantastic day all over Mayo. But uh, particularly some very strong and events it, in Castlebar. Of course, it's a Pink Ribbon. Pink Ribbon Day as well. And just to wish all the cyclists, I think there's, there's four or five hundred cyclists that are going to hit the wow. roads today. Um, so give them a toot on the horn if you see them um, cycling around. And that started now, started at nine. I think so, I yeah. think it's at nine o'clock today, uh, kicking off I wish them well, Bar. great cause and uh, wonderful people doing that. I did Absolutely. it myself a little while, about five, six years ago. I remember doing the microphone down at the TF and wel- welcoming everybody in and sending everybody out. So it's a soft day out there. Yeah. We've had the rain yeah. and that's going to mean milder temperatures because the weather has been quite cold, that easterly brain wind, whilst it was welcomed and it dried up the soil and we haven't seen rain for probably three or four weeks now. Um, this bit of soft weather has is actually going to accelerate growth. So many plants have kind of been holding back. You know, the growth has been quite slow mm. with that easterly wind at night time, um, even though we had dry weather. But definitely this week after today's rain, you're going to see the weeds jumping. You're going to see the shrubs jumping. You're going to see the trees exploding into leaf now. And it's a critical time yes. to start feeding plants. Because I mean, we've, we've been advocating people do a certain amount of work like planting and stuff. Now, yeah. th- this is going to be like a yardstick today when when the growth starts. Growth is so really people can say, off. right, this is where I'm at. My growth has started. I'm happy that everything is going well. And next thing they have to do is... Is feed the plants. And particularly with the bit of rain, that rain now is, it's, um, that's going to, if you put fertilizer on now, whether it's feeding roses, whether it's feeding shrubs in general, like hydrangeas, hedging plants. I mean, all the questions that we've had for the last three weeks about the browning of hedges, <laughs> the slow growth this year, that's just... Uh, carried over really from the storms we had in, in spring and in winter and spring the slow growth this, this year but definitely after today's rain so really my advice is if you get an opportunity today put on the raincoat get out there with, with some granulated fertiliser feed your roses now feed generally shrubs in general Fotini red robins for example hydrangeas they're all hungry plants um, grass in particular lawn if get out the spreader and put a, a light application of a good quality lawn feed on the lawn now because this week the temperatures are rising and there is going to be significant growth. It's also super weather for seeding of plants. So if you have anything to sow from seed out of doors, again, absolutely brilliant temperatures and brilliant weather conditions for doing that as well. Uh, word of warning, you're going to see the slugs and snails, of course, enjoying this weather as well. They tend to be nocturnal. We see them at night time. But when you get a damp day like today, they feed 24 hours. So if you've got some young plants that you put out into the veg garden or maybe some young bedding plants that you have out or plants even in tunnels, keep an eye for the slugs and snails because they will be very, very active and use the organic treatments. That's important. I was out at a garden during the week and, you know, I wouldn't be the best garden in the world, but I saw the most fantastic thing. I meant to say this year earlier, actually. So a little little container beside a plant, okay, and beer. Oh, yeah, the beer traps. Oh, my God. 
and it works. Do they work? It works really well. So what you do is you just fill a, a tub or container, a coffee cup or whatever, s- sink it at soil level with your favourite lager or beer and the slugs are attracted to that. They smell it and they actually drown themselves, unfortunately, in it. But it's, again, it's one of those organic treatments for slug control. But do keep an eye on them, particularly for young plants that can be very uh, destroying particularly on young, young plants particularly seedlings and so on so that's a key thing to do again the, this week tomorrow's to dry up Monday's to be quite dry as well so it's we're going to have really good planting conditions so if you like something for scent two plants I'd highly recommend one is sweet sweet peas and this is the time of year to plant them. So if you've got maybe a family occasion in June, July, August, September of this year, or you just want to have some really pretty plants that are highly scented that you can use from cuttings, then plant the sweet pea plants. They're available in garden centres at the moment. It is a climbing plant. It's going to grow about six feet tall. And when it comes into flower, it produces new flowers every seven days. So as long as you're picking the blooms off sweet peas, you'll have them flowering right through till October. The other scented plant to plant as a plant now, it's available in garden centres, is night scented stock and here's a lovely plant, easy to grow it's low growing, put it in pots and containers around your patio, maybe in a a little bit of border soil, it'll come into flower in June and it it excretes a beautiful scent at night time so as the temperatures cool down and maybe you're sitting out for a barbecue uh, on the patio in the evening time, particularly from June onwards, the smell of scented sweet pea is absolutely fabulous and that's available from seed or from plants at the moment for planting Talking about uh, seed, I brought you in a packet actually of basil because basil is a plant that people tend to buy on a very regular basis in in supermarkets. But it's one of the... Yeah, tomato soup with basil. Yeah, well, basil is beautiful. Any Italian dish, so any pasta dish, any tomato, um, it's such a, a simple herb to grow. You can eat it raw, you can cook it. But the seed, there's a packet of seed, Viv, 500 seeds in a pack. Yeah. It'll cost you... Two eighty. And it's small little. The small. Well, they're 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 manageable. The, the seed is small but very manageable. And well, would you not lose them? Or? Well, you can sow them inside in a coffee cup or container. Um, well, so what I would do is get maybe a coffee cup, a, a simple pot, fill it with compost, sow a pinch of basil seed. Remember, there's five hundred in a pack. So sow it every three to four weeks, and you'll have fresh basil from now to Christmas. Sit it on your windowsill. It'll germinate within about seven to ten days. And the trick with basil is to keep picking it. Keep cropping it on a regular basis. So the more you trim it, the more it grows. It is a short-term herb. So if you keep the plant for maybe six weeks and make sure that you have other plants coming on. So hence, small pinch of seed every three to four weeks will give you fresh basil right through to the end of the summer. Come here. Can I have that packet? You can. Can I do do a little guinea pig? You can. You try it. If anybody could do it. Absolutely. If so, I can do it. Sow a pinch of seed into a coffee cup. Coffee cup bit put, of, bit put, of, put the lid on. Yeah. Wait for them to germinate. As soon as they germinate, take the top of the of the container off and let them grow them on in your green on your windowsill. How so, far into on. the cup do I put them? Just you, well, fill up the, the the coffee cup with compost yeah. up to about two, three quarters. Just sprinkle on top. Sprinkle on top. A small bit of compost on top. Have the compost moist but not too wet. Put the coffee lid on top, that'll keep the moisture in. So you have nothing to do until they germinate. And as soon as they germinate, just take the lid off and let them grow. And when they're about four to five inches high, start trimming them on a regular basis. I'm going to do that. Give it a go. But that applies to any seed. And really the point I'm making, it's fantastic time of year as we come into early May for the sowing of seed in general. So garden peas, broad beans carrots, parsnips, cabbages, all of those can can be simply sown. And the temperatures we'll have over the next couple of days, particularly with that little bit of moisture, you're going to do really well. 
Talking about seed, a question I'm often asked is, particularly for older people that might find some of the seed difficult to sow, because seed varies in its size. So something like sweet pea or garden peas is quite a large seed or yeah. sunflower seed. But things like lobelian stalks and basil are very tiny seed and can yeah. be a bit tricky to sow. So there's a handy little device called the handy seeder. Show me. So that's it. All it is is a simple device that you fill up with, with whatever quantity of seed you want to sow and you press the top of it and it allows out a small portion of seed uh, for putting so it... So it's like a syringe but it's with, like with a, a spring on the top. Exactly. And yeah. you just press the, the top of the container and it releases the seed. So brilliant for sowing seed in greenhouses, in pots, containers. You can use it for sowing them out of doors as well. Yeah. But particularly if people find the sowing seed a little bit tricky and they tend to overseed. Um, that's a, a really handy device, and it's suitable for all seed. I mean, you can sow anything out of that. Depending on the size of the seed, depends on how much you press the top of yeah. the unit. So it's called the Handy Seeder. It's handy for sowing vegetable, herb, seeds, both inside and out of doors, and it's it's only a couple of euros. It's not expensive. Very good. Um, Thank you very much for bringing that in. Other key thing, Viv, again with the wet day, maybe it's a, I was saying to you earlier on that I'm going to be planting up 80 hanging baskets this Monday, Bank Holiday Monday for, I always do it for the Turlock Community uh, Group. Um, so we, we planted this Monday. So this is the time of year for planting hanging baskets in general. So if you want colour for the summer in window boxes, hanging baskets, in, in containers on your patio, plant them up this weekend. Key tip, get a good quality compost. The Bordemona compost is really good. And to that, I'd mix a little bit of slow-release fertiliser. That'll feed the plants right through the season. And then pick a whole range of different trailing plants. So trailing petunias, trailing fuchsias, begonias, lobelias. There's a whole range of different plants that can be used. OK, the, well, do you remember this question, the famous question that came in in nine pieces this morning? We got I it do. together anyway. So, and it's about this subject. So I'm going to group all this together yeah, for you, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lister says, to plant or not to plant, E-M-E-S-I-A, Emesia, Bacopa, Petunia, Viola and Pansies. A nice mix, I think, for my window boxes. Some years ago, it's too it's too early to plant them up in my window boxes now, which are attached to my windows. Um, okay, and the question is, will I plant or not plant it? Am I getting overexcited by a week of sun, or should I hold off another few weeks? I don't want to be having a redo to redo them in mid June. So yeah, well, that's if, really what you're saying. If the window boxes are out of doors, then I would just hold off for another week or two because right. there is still a risk of frost. If you have a greenhouse, a tunnel, a conservatory, somewhere sheltered and protected, then you can plant up your hanging baskets, and that's effectively what I'll be doing on Monday. I'll be planting up the eighty hanging baskets and leaving them in the tunnel to grow on for about four weeks, five weeks, and then I put them. They'll be put out of doors around the first week of June. And from then on, you've got no risk of frost. So for this listener, I would just hold back a little bit. Unless you've got a greenhouse or tunnel, uh, planting them directly out of doors, you run the risk. We often get can get late frost up until the third week of May. So we have another two to three weeks to go yet. So wherever the listener has the bacopa and the violas and so on, keep them there at the moment. Um, don't overwater them. The other key tip when you're doing up hanging baskets and containers is to trim back the trailing plants. So when you buy them in your local garden centre, ask the team to show you how to pinch them back. Because by pinching back, you double the amount of stems on the plant and you double the amount of flowers on the plant. So when you buy your trailing plants in in your local garden centre, they're often in flower and it's tempting just to leave them alone. But if you trim them back with scissors or finger and thumb, just pinch out the growing points, Yes, you're removing some of the flowers at this early stage, but you're going to double or treble the amount of stems on the plant and hence you're going to double and treble the amount of flowers. So do pinch them back. Um, 
pack them in well into the containers try to have if it's a hanging basket I generally have something tall in the centre like a double flowering begonia or geranium or an upright fuchsia and then trailing plants right down to something cascading like the white bacopa the listener mentioned or plants like lobelias or nepeta that literally spill over the basket and as I mentioned before once you've your containers planted get yourself a small packet of nasturtiums tutti frutti little gem jewel mix there's a whole range of different varieties Alaska they're all dwarf fuchsias or uh, dwarf nasturtiums they only trail about 18 inches out of the basket and you simply with a packet of seed shove six or seven seeds into the hanging baskets let them germinate and grow on and that'll give you additional colour as well and varieties like um, tutti frutti and Alaska have got variegated foliage and they've got beautiful flowers and reds, oranges, yellows, cream colours and you simply sow them from seed in the hanging basket. So plant up the hanging basket with all the plants I mentioned and the final job then is stick in six of the nasturtium seeds, give them a good watering, start feeding them about two weeks time and then feed them every week after that and you'll have a cascade of colour from June right through till October. Now, is there any particular hanging basket, like the actual basket, that you recommend? Well, the size is important, so try not to pick the smaller baskets because they dry up too quickly, Viv. So you're looking for a minimum of 14-inch to 16-inch baskets, um, ideally. Get yourself a good quality liner and get a good quality compost as well. That's important. And do mix some of the slow-release fertilizer through it as well. Make sure, too, when you're filling the, the hanging basket with compost, not to bring the compost right up to the top of the basket leave at least about half to to, a, to an inch um, have the compass below the rim of the basket so that when you water it acts like a well and it holds extra water if the compass is too high in the basket it'll just flow out, the water will flow over and regular watering will be important during the summer period. So really the message is the garden centres are full of trailing plants. This is a, an ideal weekend. It's always the weekend I do up the hanging basket containers. So planting them up now. Um, all the popular plants are available at the moment. There's even some scented plants. There's a lovely petunia called Tumbelina. Tumbelina, as the name suggests, it tumbles. It's a beautiful double flowering one, but it's highly scented as well. And the other thing I do with my, my hanging basket, I stick an odd strawberry plantain. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. Well, there are tomato plants that you can grow in a hanging basket, like Tumbler, does really well. Um, so that's probably the best one to look for, Tumbler. Um, there's no pinching back. You simply plant it into a big hanging basket. You could put a few flowers in with it as well if you want it and literally grow it out of the hanging basket uh, or a tub or container. And again, this is the weekend. It's a really good weekend for planting up tomatoes in general. So if you haven't got round to planting up your tomato plants, this is a really good red varieties like red perfusion. I've, I grow every year. It's a really simple one. Um, the the um, tumbler is also really good. Roma, if you like a, a fairly big fleshy tomato, there's a variety called Roma that could be planted at this time of year. Um, and also plants like aubergines are available at the moment. Plants like leeks can be planted outdoors at this time of year. And again, for winter, autumn, winter use. And all the vegetables are ready for planting. So it's a really good planting weekend with that little soft rain that we're getting today it's absolutely perfect okay. and remember when we're planting vegetables we're sowing seed at the same time so you know put some seed down as well because it's it's still very early you know first of may it's it's still a very early time of year so that's so that's so they're the kind of key things really to to start doing sow yeah. the basil sow seed in general um and then get get your hanging baskets and containers planted up 
But the main thing is to get the jacket on, the rain jacket, out you go Feed, today. Start feeding start plants would be the key thing I'd say. Look, if you don't get around to it today, tomorrow will be perfectly fine as well, you know, Sunday or Monday. But you're going to see active growth now in the next couple of days. So encourage the plants on. If, yeah. if any plants looking a bit sad, all they need is a bit of a liquid feed because the elements have been, have been quite uh, harsh over the last three weeks. We haven't had that real flush of growth just yet. And you're very welcome back to us. I'm going to go to the emails part because we actually neglected them last week. We had a little bit of an issue here. So I'm going to go to some of the emails. Yep. Uh, and the first one is from Geraldine Kieran. Hiya, Geraldine. Thanks very much. And Geraldine says, I accidentally sprayed sulfate of iron on the whole of my tarmac. Mm-hmm. It's now an ugly bronze-brown colour. What We power washed it, uh, but no great change. Is there anything I, I can do to bring the colour back there are a few family occasions coming up. Wow. Ouch. Is that bad? It is. Sulfate of iron is, is, was the old traditional treatment for controlling moss, moss yeah, in the remember, lawn. Yeah. But, but one of the downsides was it leaves horrible stain on, on any ca- concrete or tarmac area. Like rust. Area. It, yeah, because that's effectively what it is. It's the fine particles of iron. So once they hit moisture on a tarmac area, it, it turns to a brown colour. Unfortunately, there's nothing that um, Geraldine can do to, to eliminate it. It will, over time, uh, fade away. The colour will fade away over time, but that could take up to a year to happen. And that's really why I recommend using the using the zero treatment um, on on lawns rather than the sulphur of iron. Okay, there's one here now. I think I might have got that. I'll go, I'll go through it anyway. Um, I set my lawn three years ago and this weed seems to be taking over. Now, I haven't got the picture there. It's creeping over the soil and it's kind of vine-like. Okay. I think it might be a buttercup, but I'm not sure. Any idea? Could how be, I yeah. Well, it? buttercups would be very distinctive in that um, it's quite a broad leaf on on buttercups, and they tend to have a, a a white veining through the leaf, and obviously the yellow flowers. But there are there, there are yeah, that that's there? I can see it there now. There, that actually is buttercup. So that's creeping buttercup, um, and you know it will spread through lawns. I mean, look, Kevin can either put up with it and just just allow it to grow and just keep it mowed, but you can use a proprietary weed control as well. So something like the Dicofar could be applied, obviously on a dry day. My advice really would be to leave the lawn for about a week, don't mow it, allow the buttercups to show itself, mix the Dicofar into a sprayer, put a small bit of washing up liquid into the mix and apply it on a dry day over the entire lawn area. That'll control all broadleaf weeds, buttercups, dandelions, daisies, without affecting the grass. Okay. Hello there, gardening show. I'd like to know if I could... Uh, mix in or plant an evergreen clematis winter beauty with a cornubia hedge cornubia, yeah, which cornubia. is battered by the wind your show is great there we are. that's Ronan Brennan good name okay well look at the Cotonia uh, uh, Astra cornubia hedge if it's suffering from a lot of wind damage then obviously it's a very exposed site and uh, generally speaking I would say yes with clematis winter beauty because it's a it is an evergreen Clematis, it flowers beautifully from December through to February. Lovely, pretty little plant, um, but it, it really needs a sheltered garden. In the wind, it would suffer through the winter. You'd have the same problem with the um, with the Cotoniaster canubia. If wind is a problem there, Ronan, I would recommend maybe planting something on the windy side that would be a little bit more wind tolerant, like Iliagnus ebengii or Grisolinia, just to protect the Cotoniaster canubia. And then once you get that protection in the garden, you could certainly introduce Clematis Winter Beauty. Now, Mick in Sligo uh, says, uh, hi, Porrick. He says, would you recommend I plant, what would you recommend I could plant into an old lake boat I have that I don't use anymore? I'm going to put it into the middle of my front lawn 
as a garden feature. Oh, great idea. Yeah, Super brilliant idea. idea, yeah. So look, at you've got a, quite a bit of depth there. So my mm. advice really is to fill the bottom of the boat with, with um, some stone, you know, something just to fill it up and put about a foot of topsoil then right up on to top, the top yeah. of the boat. I think what would look really well would be a collection of cottage garden plants. So plants like the dianthus would be lovely in it. There's a whole range of different dianthus that will give lovely summer colour. Maybe a, a, a lovely plant called nepita, the catmint, um, maybe dwarf lupins. So those old-fashioned cottage garden plants like sedums, there's a whole range of plants that, that uh, Mick could use in that. So that old cottage garden look, they're perennial plants that come back year after year. So bleeding heart would be another lovely one. The butterfly plant as well. Um, so there's lots of really good plants. And so go for the cottage garden theme and maybe around the edge of the boat to have something cascading down. You could use the Star of Bethlehem that I brought in last week, the white and the blue. Oh, yeah, That's perennial. Yeah. It comes back year after year. Okay, I'm going to go to some of the WhatsApps in here because we've got photographs and stuff yep. to show you. So okay. it says, Hi, Parik, I inquired last week about sowing wildflowers. Great. You mentioned mixing lime in the soil. Yep. Is this ordinary lime or where do I get it? Chris and Dunmore. You get it in your local garden centre. If you just look for garden lime, um, it's generally used, like many plants, like wallflowers and, and um, cabbage plants, love a taste of lime in the soil. And the reason I recommend using garden lime is that it locks up the nutrition. Wildflowers like to have an impoverished soil. So putting in lime helps to kind of slow down the amount of nutrition going into the, the flowers and they do so much better. So pop into your local garden centre, get a bag of garden lime and um, sprinkle it on the soil and then put in the wildflower seed. And this this weekend, Viv, would be a perfect time for sowing wildflower seed. The temperatures and, and soil conditions are ideal. Okay, good morning. Could you ask Porik about this blue diamond shrub, uh, spruce shrub? It originally was healthy, but last summer it deteriorated and I noticed what looked like red spider might spread uh, yeah. with rosemary and it began to thrive. Looking very unhealthy now. Uh, so let's have a look yeah, at Yeah, red spider might die. Yeah, it, definitely it has been affected. So this is blue spruce. It's a beautiful conifer. Yeah. Uh, generally, the listener has it in a, in a posh container. Yeah. I would move it out of the pot, to be honest, into a um, into the garden soil uh, because it, it may, it's a quite a vigorous conifer and it needs plenty of space. And red spider mite, it's a little like aphids or green fly, do attack blue spruce. Now, you need to use something like um, bug clear is very effective on red spider mite. It generally, the red spider mite is not a problem until about the late May, early June, when the wet, wo- the temperatures start to um, increase and you often notice a spider-like uh, web on the actual conifers because the spider mice themselves are quite short. So a little bit of um, bug clear. Okay, and that's it for you, Anne. Hopefully you, that helps you out. Uh, another one here now that we have. Uh, can you ask Porik what this plant is? Uh, now, have a look at that, Porik. The beauty, isn't it? What a yellow, lovely yellow orangey uh, flowers. Yeah, that's calendula. That's calendula just coming into flower at the moment. So obviously planted last year and giving lovely colour at the moment. The old English marigolds, babe, so easy to yeah, grow. Just keep it as it is. Keep it as it is. Yeah, it's doing really well. Looks very good. Uh, listener has strong... Gr- oh, look at this one. Uh, I have strong grass creeping through my lawn. Is there anything I can do as it is taking over? Well, that's, yeah, the, the problem is, you see, which... Um, so to tell the, the listeners about the photograph. Okay, so, yeah. so what we have is is a situation where the 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 uh, on the lawn you've got creeping grasses and you've got common grasses and one is kind of taking over, particularly the creeping grasses is, is taking over. Which one, is that from, the dark one? Or the, the, that's the light one. Yeah. Light ones are spreading there in patches. Yeah. Um, so the treatments like the dicofar won't 
control this. Dicofar on the lawn only controls broadleaf weeds, as I mentioned, the daisies, dandelions and, and buttercups, um, uh, creeping veronica and so on. With that particular uh, creeping grass, you either just put up with it because it'll knit into the grass anyway. But if you want to get rid of it, you'd have to treat that specifically and reseed. Yeah. So you'd have to kill off that particular area and reseed again. Okay, I'm thinking of installing a frog pond in my garden. I understand frogs are a natural yeah. pesticide, yeah. but are well, there any <laughs> downsides to having one? Cliff in Swinford would no, like there's, to know. There's no, there's no downside whatsoever, and, and Cliff is dead right. Slugs will hoover up all your slugs and snails um, and, and, and very, you know, and, and they'll take many um, flying pests as well. So encourage that uh, hugely. Set up a, 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 frog, a frog pond at this time of year would be an ideal idea. This hydrangea won't flower. I have AstroTurf with, uh, so no soil. Can you advise, please? Now, just tell the listeners about this. What, what so one it's is? a hydrangea in a pot. Let me have yeah, a quick, have a look, look at that. Going a little bit closer to it there. There we are. Yeah, well, look, you know, is it's that not, a particular type of one? Or? It's one of the, the bronze-leaved uh, hydrangeas, the mophead hydrangeas. Uh, to me, it looks really healthy, to be quite honest. I would keep it, it's obviously in a large pot. Hydrangeas are hungry feeders and need lots of water as well. So start liquid feeding it now um, and start feeding it. And it, there's no reason why it shouldn't come into and flower the pot this is year. The, the pot is okay. The pot is big enough for this year. And, and in time, I would move it on into the garden soil if possible. Don't do any pruning with it. It's perfectly healthy. So good watering, good liquid feed. Something like a liquid rose fertilizer would actually be very good on hydrangeas at this time of year, particularly those in pots. And for listeners that have plants in pots and containers, I know we have rain today, but it actually has been quite dry. So mm. keep them really well watered. Uh, Hydro, hydrangea, hydro meaning water. Water, water, water. Yes. So they love the water. Yeah. Here's one for you. Happy May Day from Charlestown. I am in full gardening mode here. Right. Was wondering how to tidy up my straggly uh, honeysuckle. honeysuckle. Now, uh, also, my cord line is a bit sad looking. Any tips or help would be greatly appreciated. Well, here, I get that. Now, just tell about the photographs. Yeah, so so, so we're looking at a photograph of a honeysuckle, um, yeah. which is a beautiful climbing plant, beautiful scent in the summertime. You often see it growing wild in hedgerows as well. We have the wild honeysuckle, uh, but this is one of the cultivated varieties. I would just do a small bit of pruning back. It tends to get a bit wild and yeah. it grows all to the top. You see how it's all... Yeah really uh, leggy, heavy on the top. On the yeah. yeah, so, and really, to be honest, when that plant was planted, it, it was allowed just to grow vertical rather than spreading it left and right. So, yeah. My advice really is just to give it a trim back now, a tidy back, uh, give it a feed as well, a granulated feed. So something like the Osmo Pro 6, a handful of that now, repeat it in six weeks time. You could help to spread out the branches as well, take some of the branches down and that will get rid of some of the legginess. In terms of the, the cordylines, really cordylines through the winter develop a lot of brown leaves at the base of the plant, which is perfectly natural. See, get, there it is, look at it. Yeah, get, it's, a, it's actually a great specimen. It must be 10 feet tall, but there's lots of browning at the base of it there, Viv, as you can see. Yeah. The young growth comes from the centre. So again, a good feeding for the cord line. Would you go near the brown? I would. I'd take those all off. So get yourself a sharp uh, secateurs or a sharp knife. Cut off anything that's brown or dead. Remove all that dead growth, those dead leaves, strip them back, give it a feed and you'll get a burst of new growth and feed it again in six weeks time. But it's actually a perfect specimen. And like I said earlier, lots of plants are showing a little bit of browning, a little bit of damage, really just down to the rough winter we had, the storms. Yeah, thank you for my... my but pleasure. that's perfectly natural with cord lines to see that browning on, on the lower um, edges. Okay, let's move on to some more here. Uh, we got that one done. Uh, here we are. Can you ask Porik when we got that one done as well? Um, I have a bed of shrubs flowering. Oh, beautiful. And wonder yeah. if Porik, have I too many packed into the space that I have here? Now, so just 
Explain to listeners what we have. Yeah, this so the, there's a whole mixture of, of different shrubs here. Um, it looks like there's plants like hebes, those evergreen hebe plants there, maybe some spirea as well I'm seeing in, in the distance. Look, they, they are beginning to encroach a little bit. Hebes will take a light bit of pruning back, um, particularly after flowering. You can give them a light trimming back, no severe pruning. But to be honest, overall... The, the spacing is, is okay um, they look you know, lovely, don't at the they? moment. This yeah. is Phil, by the way. Phil, you've got a lovely garden. Look at the grass for you. Yeah, very healthy, very healthy. So, no, I think, look, for this year anyway, Phil, just leave them alone. The hebes, when they go out to flower, give them a light trimming back and give them a, a, a generous feed at this time of year. Okay, I planted cabbage plants back in February. They are growing well, but over the last week they are limp and collapsing from the roots. Okay. Uh, do they need washing? I've washed them regularly. What's up? Any ideas? No, if you're washing them well, regularly, they should be fine. That's cabbage root fly, Viv. It's a small pest that can attack cabbage plants or anything in the cabbage family at this time of year. Get yourself a, a small... Um, root control so you can get a root control in your local garden centre it's a liquid you mix it in water and apply it as a drench onto the cabbage uh, roots and they'll be perfectly fine so it's just a small maggot that's damaging them at this time of year Okay, I have a video for you so you're going to have okay. to come over here to me yeah, now one. it says good morning Park. what do I do with these eyesores uh, do I leave them in pots <laughs> or what way so here's your video Okay, so the eyesore is, is a whole range of... Do you hear the, gra- the, the birds there? And the, look, the birds are in the background. Oh, brilliant. So it's, it's yeah. a, a range of, of pots on a patio, mainly daffodils that are gone out of flower. And They're gone, the thing, yeah. Yeah, the thing about daffodils, Faith, it's once they go out of flower, the leaves start to elongate. They start to grow longer because yeah. they're developing the energy for next year. My advice really is to take those pots and plant the bulbs into your garden soil somewhere. So pick a gar- an area in the garden and literally plant, take them out of their pots, plant them in, into the soil and let them die back naturally and replant up all those pots again with some summer colour. And you see those, this, there's they're little so primulas, there's some little primulas are there. Are they okay? Are they're, they? they're fine. I'd leave those, they're going to flower Just for take the next out month. All, all the, Just all the bulbs, all the bulbs. Take the them out, but, but replant them, put them back yeah. into the garden soil. And just a tip in general for people, if you have daffodils, tulips, crocuses, snowdrops, many of those have gone out of flower now. Uh, If you need to move them or you want to divide them, this is the time of year to do that. So we always move bulbs in the green. So when the green foliage is still on them, so all you do is dig them up, split them into a couple of pieces and replant them into other areas of your garden and you're propagating the plants. Kitty's been on and Kitty sent her question nice and early. So she has, uh, I have this thing growing in the garden, she says, boys, it's a bit like moss. How do I get rid of it? I yeah. tried weed killer, but didn't work. No. I also want to know what the name of the flower of this is appearing in my garden, but I didn't plant it. Many thanks. There we are. Okay, so, so this, is, this is liverworth, Viv. It's, it's like moss. Um, it's kind of rubbery in texture, green. It spreads across the ground and, you know, can be problematic as well. Uh, so really, my advice, rather than using weed killers, because weed killers won't control liverworth, just literally get a garden hoe, Viv, and hoe it out of the soil. So yeah. get yourself a garden hoe the next dry day and just sweep across with the garden hoe and remove it. And that's the best way to control liverworth. Or else put a mulch of bark. If you get bark, put a four or five, six inch layer of bark, which is a good, this is the time of year to do, to replenish beds with, with bark and that the suppression of keeping the light away from the liverworth will kill it as well. Okay. So, um, yeah, just get, just get rid of it, really. Okay, my beech hedge is just coming into leaf. Last summer, the tops of the leaves curled and were sticky. How do I present, prevent this from happening? Uh, this year. Very common and what, and what do I feed my head? Yeah, it's so feed it, feed it with the 50 metres long. 50 metres long. 50 metres. So get yourself a big bag of, of the Osmo Pro 6. Remember my tip before, if you're buying fertiliser, try to buy 
bags that are bigger than 10 kg because they're VAT free um, so you're saving yourself 23% uh, so get a bag of Osmo Pro 6 about two handfuls to the base of the beach hedge what you're seeing on the leaves last summer was a thing called white aphid which is very common on beach so simply mix a little bit of um, bug clear and apply that to the foliage once it comes into full leaf so maybe leave it for another two weeks feed it now and then apply the bug clear onto the foliage and that'll keep the beach perfectly clean I have an angel wings plant in oh, my no garden way. for the last three years and love the bright soft silvery leaves during the winter some of the leaves have gone a little brown what do I do and Very can, common. can I feed it? so this is angel angel wings Senecio angel wings lovely plants got these velvet silver foliage in the shape of a, of a wing or kind of a heart shaped leaf but during the winter they do pick up a little bit of browning and damage this is a super time of year actually to prune it back so trim it back to within about 8 inches of soil level now it will you're taking off all the foliage but what will happen with the with the angel wings it'll kick back into growth again particularly if you feed it and so within a month you'll have a lovely rosette of fresh leaves per, in perfect condition um, so that's what I would do with it and, and you'll rejuvenate the plant as long as you feed it at the same time Okay, just want to mention, there's been asked to mention that as part of the Mayo Pink Ribbon cycle today, Claire Morris are looking for people to help with book collections for a few hours. If any Claire Morris listeners can help, please come along to the square around uh, around this time, around 9.30. Thanks. And that's Cora Judge. No problem, Cora. We look after that for you. I'm going to take the break and then we'll go into our final batch of questions. A white phlox is doing well for years, but, but there is a brown fungus on it at the moment. Yeah, it can suffer from fungus, uh, different fungus like mildews and um, uh, powdery mildew and, and sooty mildew. Look, it, with, with white phlox, give it a bit of the fungus clear. Um, mix that with water on a dry day and that'll, that'll control it. Give it a feed as well. Okay, here's one for you. There could be rousing fights over this one. A question for Pori. Last week, my wife pruned three apple trees. Uh, with the saw when I was gone away she <laughs> cut a lot of branches off them will they grow back again uh, with apples they are planted for 20 years they grew green apples every year last year they did not grow anything only pink flowers John well, okay so I have to be delicate here have I be very delicate um, well look at the, the, the beauty about apple trees is that they will bounce back again so that's the first thing so the pruning so no back damage really done. no damage no damage done whatsoever now having said that apple trees are coming into flower at the moment so ideally if there were you know the pruning of apples should happen up to about the end of March is the ideal time then let them come into flower having said all that there's nothing you know the, the trees will not be damaged they'll come back into kick it back into growth will, again will this year be a loss um, well, it depends on how much branches were removed because obviously the more branches you remove, the more flowers you're removing as yeah. well. So, But they will be coming into flower. My own apple trees are in flower at the moment. Um, so keep an eye. It, it'll depend on which flowers come on them this year. But look, they're going to kick back into growth, give them a good feed, and this time next year they'll be back flowering again. The fact that they didn't set fruit last year... Which would be logically why they were trimmed this year. Well, p- p- Potentially, but the yeah. fact that they're not, they didn't fruit last year, there, there could be a pollination problem here. The trees may not be flowering at the same time. So if trees are flowering, but you're not getting any fruit, then there's a pollination problem. The, 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 the flowers are not being pollinated. And a good tip is to plant a malice tree, a flowering crab apple. So there's a lovely variety called Malice John Downey. It's in flower at the moment, and it's a great tree to help pollinate apple trees. So it's an ornamental apple. It produces lovely red fruit in the autumn that are edible, but they're not. They don't grow to the full size. They're going to grow to about a, the size of a marble or a tennis or a, a ping pong ball, that sort of size. But they are edible there, as, a, as a crab apple. But that would help to pollinate 
the apple tree. So for listeners that have apple trees that flower well but don't fruit, introduce a malus John Downey this year, planted now, and that'll help to... The bees will work from the malus and the apple. They're all in the same family and they pollinate um, one another. Bulmer's Cider. Yes. They bring the malus trees into their orchards at this time of year. They wheel them in in, in big containers uh, to help augment the, the pollination of... Oh, stop. Yeah, there you go. That's where I got that tip from. Sounds very logical, doesn't it? When it you is, think well, it makes it, perfect sense. Because you have to have three or four to actually... Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bees have to, have to work between one and the other. And you see some apple trees flower in early April and other apple trees don't flower until the end of May. So you could have one variety that's in full flower in March or late March, early April and another that's in May and they're not... They're not they're not yeah. But so, if you were planting uh, apple trees now today, yes. for, for for down the road, right? Yes. What would you do? I would plant three different varieties. So I'd plant a variety like James Grieve, which is an excellent pollinator of other trees. Katie, which is another beautiful apple. Maybe one called Discovery. So those three different varieties will cross pollinate with one another. If you've got Bramley Seedling, which is the old cooking apple oh, in the yeah. garden. It's what we call a triploid variety and it doesn't pollinate. It's, it produces very poor pollen. So where you've Bramley seedling in your orchard, it doesn't pollinate other trees. So it receives ah. pollen itself, but it's a very, very poor giver of pollen. So you need to have at least, with Bramley seedling, at least maybe four varieties or plant, as I mentioned, a Malice John Downey into the orchard or into the garden somewhere and the bees will work between them. Sounds fabulous. So John has a pollination problem as well as, as a pruning. A pollination problem? <laughs> as a, 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 a pruning, a, a pruning issue this year. Oh, God. Look at, feed those apple trees. They'll be perfectly fine. They'll yeah. kick back into growth again. Um, no damage done. Okay. Now, I got a bit of a giggle going there what? now. Sorry about What fertilizer, what part with, what fertilizer for parsnips and rhubarbs? Um, we'll use the Vitex Q4. That's very good for, um, for all vegetables and fruiting plants, Vitex Q4, about a good handful around the base of them. Rhubarb is actively growing at the moment, so it is, it's very beneficial to feed it now. And parsnips, you're probably just sowing them from seed uh, at this time of year, or if the plants are just emerging, give them a bit of the Vitex Q4. Okay, well, I, can I ask Porik, my mother has sowed lovely flowers in her garden, right. but we have deers around. Deers? deers. As in okay. doe a deer, right? Yeah. Uh, around how would you stop them eating the flowers any ideas quite simply um use a, a treatment called grazers so grazers is um it's a liquid you mix it in water you simply spray it onto the plants it doesn't affect the plants in any way but any foliage eating um animals like deers goats sheep uh, are distracted or dislike the taste of the grazers. So look in your local garden centre. It's called grazers. It's used where you have problems with rabbits, hares, deers, pigeons of all things. Uh, and it can be used on fruit and vegetables and flowers. So get some grazers, mix it in water, apply it to the foliage on a dry day and that will prevent the damage. Um, lots of questions in about this, the, the hedges with some brown. People must yeah. have missed the advice. So just, so just do, yeah. do so a quick look 10 at, seconds. We're seeing lots of it this year, browning on, on not just hedging plants, but also shrubs like pittosporums and hebes and forest flames. So it's just due to the, the, the very severe winter and uh, the storms effectively that we had, feed them now. Feed them with the Osmo Pro 6. They'll kick into growth this week. So get the feeds on, really, is what I'm saying. What do you add to a compost bin to help it break the. Yeah, so, the stuff down? so um, the, the treatment to use is a thing called Garotta. You'll get it in your local garden centre. It's a compost activator. So it accelerates the, the bacteria, it, gets, it multiplies the bacteria in the compost and breaks down the compost quicker. So get a little box of Garotta and mix that into your compost heap. 
Hello, Mike and Partry this morning. He's uh, wondering about the daffodils. Can he cut them back? Don't cut them just yet, Mike. You could certainly remove all the flower heads. So any flower heads, um, once they fade it, remove those. Really what you should be doing with daffodils at this time of year is actually feeding them because you're building the bulb up for next year. Remember the the, the question we had with the with yeah. the unsightly in the pots? Yeah. The leaves are, are, are getting longer on daffodils, so they tend to look a bit tatty at this time of year. Yeah. You feed them now, you allow them to die back naturally, and within about two to three weeks, you can certainly cut them back at that stage. But if you but, cut them back too early... you can do the flowers now anyway, can you? Just, just yeah. top the flowers off and feed yeah. them. Uh, what compost is best for potatoes that sow in bags and vegetables? What's well, you can get an organic compost. Bordemona do a really good um, organic compost for fruit and vegetables. So it's 100% organic. Or, to be honest, if you're, if you're not fussed about growing them organically, you can use a multi-purpose compost. But do remember the potatoes are hungry feeders. So you need to mix the Vitex Q4 into the compost when you're planting the potatoes. Okay, here's one for you now. A uh, listener bought a weeping willow last week. Lovely. And they're wondering, could you go step-by-step step planting? How, do, how would they plant it? Uh, it's a weeping willow tree. Yeah. Okay, so so generally speaking, there, there are a couple of different varieties of them. There's one called Salix capria pendula, which is a, a dwarf willow. It'll only grow to about five, maybe six feet in time and is ideal for a small garden. Or you've got larger trees like Salix albatristus, which is a big, tall willow. It'll grow 50 feet in height and 50 feet in diameter. So it depends on the variety they have. Obviously, pick the right location for the, the size of the tree. It's a simple matter of digging a hole Mixing some compost and fertiliser into the planting hole, take off the pot, ruffle up the roots, slip it into the planting hole, put down a stake with two ties, and it's very important, particularly with the dwarf willow, Salix capria pendula, because it's grafted at around five feet up in the air. You'll see a little graft where it's two willows literally welded together or grafted together, and the tree needs support right up at that grafting union. Right, so make okay. sure your stake comes right up to the top of the tree and that you've got a good secure tie on top and bottom of the tree. And that's it. I was going to say give it a watering but that won't be, won't that be an true, issue today. That, that technique is true for most trees I suppose. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a simple planting process and it's a great time of year for planting trees. Yeah. You know, I mentioned we Malice must do John. something on trees actually. We haven't done anything. Yeah, we'll do really. something yeah. next week but it's, you know, you're seeing so many trees in flower at the moment. The cherries, the malice, yeah. uh, snowy mesplis in flower, laburnums, the bright yellow laburnum. White thorn is it? Well, well white thorn yeah, is in flower as well. Um, so it's, it's a lovely time of, of year for planting trees in general. Is there a strawberry called day neutral? Day neutral. I haven't heard of that variety. Yeah. Now it's one I, I can check out for you. Generally, the one I plant is one called El Santa, which is a really, really good um, variety. It's easy to grow. Um, or Cambridge uh, Favourite is another really good one. But El Santa for me is probably the best. Okay, I have a cherry blossom tree, fifteen years old, that hasn't many leaves this year. Oh. Was fine last year. Light branches seem dead. Is there anything to do? Uh, to well, give it a feed. Um, generally, the, the pruning of, of cherry trees is done after they finish flowering, which will be another three or four weeks yet. Give it a feed. Any dead wood certainly needs to be pruned back. They do suffer from a disease called silver leaf, which is a, um, it's denoted by the leaves come out and they're, they're very silver in colour, very light in colour, sickly in colour. And if that virus is in the tree, it may be a case that you're going to lose that tree. So it really depends how bad it is. Now, growth has been slow they are flowering beautifully, but the leaves are slow to come out this year. So I think give it a feed, trim back anything that's dead and see what happens by mid-June. And if it still looks sickly, you may need to consider taking it out. Would you please ask Porig, how often would you give a sunflower water? 
Well, it depends. so sunflowers should be kept indoors at this time of year. That's right. important. The frost will kill them. The cold weather will kill them. So keep them indoors. If they're in a pot, you shouldn't have to wash them more than once a week, depending on the size of the pot, of course. Uh, but with the bright sunny weather we have this week, about once a week should be more than enough. The, the key thing when plants are young is not to be tempted to wash them too heavily. You're better to ebb on the side of slightly underwatering them because it helps to keep the plant healthier. It tends to, uh, you know, overwatering is a big killer of particularly young plants. So ebb on the side of a little, little underwatering. So it could be seven, it could be ten days, depending on the temperature of the room, you know, the, the, the windowsill and so on. So let the compost slightly dry out, I suppose is what I'm saying, before okay. you water it. Yeah, that makes and sense. And don't plant the sunflowers out until about the third week of... Um, May, yeah, three, in about three weeks' time. Okay, just planted de- dahlia bulbs in pots. How do I treat them until I put them out? Thank you all. The uh, thank you all. Love the show, Mary. There we yeah, are. Well, Thanks, Mary, Mary, there's nothing really to be done apart from do you know as the dahlias start to grow, the slugs will certainly be looking out for for your dahlia tubers and the and the young growth in particular. Keep them watered, but not not overly watered. So again, once a week, once every 10 days will be more than enough. You will start to liquid feed them once they're about six or eight inches high. And the other key tip, as dahlias start to grow, pinch out the centre points, a bit like the hanging baskets I yeah, mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Pinch out the growing points because that'll double the amount of flowers. Okay, good morning. I have 30 Leylandi uh, green trees to move. They're about four foot high, sown about a year. Can I dig them and move them at this stage of the year? It's not a great time of year. And Leylandi, I just do not like to be moved. Uh, to be honest, so they're not a tree that tolerates transplanting. Many, many plants you'd often hear me t- telling you to dig them up and move them, no yeah. problem at all. But Lelandia are one of those plants that it, dislike being transplanted. At all, at all, at all. At all, at all, at all. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the fact, what's in their favour is that they're only a year in the ground. So the amount of roots that they'll have produced, or is it two years? Yeah. No, I'm just saying that, that, I'm just saying that we have two minutes left. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so. <laughs> so the, I, I took it up that they're only a year in the ground so they're relatively the roots are haven't spread too far so um, next autumn will be the time to move them next October really um, but but you know you may lose some of them Okay we are down to our final two minutes let's just recap So um, really I suppose what I'm job. saying Viv is the welcome the, the rain is welcomed um, make use of the rain now by feeding your plants in particular so trees, shrubs all the plants we mentioned it's a great time of year for getting the fertiliser down plant up your hanging baskets patio planters window boxes with all the trailing plants and do remember to pinch them back and that key tip of putting in a couple of the nasturtium seed as well sow the seed of the basil I know you're taking that pa- that, pa- that packet yeah, from me so sow those um, get them in get a few coffee cups yeah, and a great time of year for sowing seed in general also the planting out of sweet peas so if you want that scent later on in the summer plant sweet peas at this time of year and plant scented stock as well because they are absolutely beautiful Um, again plants that are in pots and containers I know we've had the rain but particularly against rain rain, you know shadow areas keep your plants and containers well watered out of doors and start liquid feeding them now start feeding roses in particular and for listeners that prune the roses early there's lots of new growth on roses now so keep an eye out for the aphids and keep those um, and pre- prevent against those uh, but really it's it's really good planting weather that's really the message I would be saying to people. And I can plant my basil out eventually when there's no frost. It's better to keep it inside Viv to right. be honest I would always grow basil on the windowsill or if you've got a greenhouse or tunnel or a veggie pod that's an ideal place to keep it. It does need to be if you get cold wind it can affect basil as well but in, in relation to other herbs like oregano and marjoram and chives they can be planted safely out of doors and remember this weekend is a great time to plant veg as well and tomatoes
Okay, well, look, we're just out of time, unfortunately, on the programme. Uh, we didn't get to some of your questions. We'll try and save them for next week for you, if we can. Uh, that's it. Where are you off to now, Porik? I'm uh, heading back now to the garden centre and um, getting stuff ready for those uh, eight hanging baskets that oh I have to do God. on Monday. Okay, well, look, thank you very much, Porik, and thanks for all your questions. We'll be back next Saturday morning to do it all over again. In fact, we might be having a special next Saturday morning. I'll tell you about that later on. Uh, and that's where we've got to leave it. Thanks to Teresa on the phones. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Saturday and I'll be talking to you again tomorrow after 530